It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in the Hit and Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, John Collins calls out the crowd post game consistently inconsistent. And is Lucas Van Ness an answer at number eight for the Falcons? All next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Roku and Amazon Fire are also a couple of platforms you can check us out on. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, John Collins had some interesting comments following the Golden State Warriors game on Friday where he said, I got to hold you accountable, ATL. Never be out-cheered by another team. Now, look, I was in the building on Friday night. We had our station night out and was at the game. And, you know, look, have I heard more... Uh, voice versus crowds or I mean have I heard a crowd that was louder for the other team over the years yeah I mean whether it was Kobe whether it was LeBron at times I've heard that building be louder for the other teams now I understand John Collins point because I was doing some pregame stuff and I was actually down on the court and I could get a sense of what the crowd was feeling and when Steph and Clay were warming up and they were just hitting some buckets and warm up and stuff like that. There was a there was a, a loud, you know, voice, you know, voiced crowd that was there in the building. But it wasn't anything ridiculous. Now, again, I understand what John was trying to say when he says don't be out cheered by another team. Look, that building was a sellout. That building is loud for the Hawks when you've got a good team coming in there. But this has always been a theme for Atlanta, right? There's always a section of fans. This is true for the Hawks. This is true for the Atlanta Falcons. That when a certain team comes in, that they're going to have a certainly a strong fan contingent at the games. The Golden State Warriors are one of those teams. And the reason being that, they are one of the most successful, if not the single most successful franchise over the last decade plus in the NBA. And they have some superstar talent, right? I mean, Steph Curry is one of the most popular players in the NBA. Klay Thompson is a very popular player. You know, they're a very good organization, top to bottom. And obviously, they've been immensely successful. But I don't have a problem with John Collins kind of saying, hey, you know, we got to rally the troops here. And and that was a really good win on Friday night. Like that was a, <coughs> we talked about this last week, that there were no excuses for the Atlanta Hawks, no excuses going into that game. You know, the, the Golden State Warriors are dreadful on the road. I think they're seven and 28 now on the road. 
And you had to, you didn't have Draymond Green out there. You had three days off. You had to protect your home court. You, you, you had to find a way to win that game no matter what. And the Hawks took care of business. Trey Young had a big steal late in that game, and that kind of sealed the victory. But, you know, that was a really back-and-forth game. The Golden State Warriors were up, I think, 16-4 early on. The Hawks fought their way back. They had a big lead. Then Golden State came back, and they tied it up. Took the lead. I mean, it was back and forth all the way through. But that was a good win. And, and John Collins did play really well on Friday night. And I do think that there was a lot of emotion in a game like that. This was an important game for the Atlanta Hawks to win. Obviously, it's in front of, even though their record is not very good on the road, it's still in front of a top-tier opponent on your home court. And I think he just wanted the crowd to, you know, bow up a little bit and, and you know, out-cheer the, the opposing team. I get that. I get that. And, and normally, that's not necessarily a problem for the Atlanta Hawks even when they've been very bad and, and not been a very good franchise and, and different things like that, you know, when, they, when they've been sort of mediocre. But usually that crowd has been very much into games over the last few years for this Hawks team. So while I didn't have a problem with it, and I understand where he's coming from, I have definitely been in that building over the years where that home crowd has been drowned out by the likes of, especially when Kobe Bryant was playing for the Lakers, you know, and that was their one and only shot when they would come to Atlanta, right? I mean, when you played the Lakers, you only had two games against them and you only had one home game against them. And that crowd would be about like half Lakers fans. Now, again, the Hawks weren't always very good in those years, but certainly when stars have come into the building for the Atlanta Hawks, and again, even for the Atlanta Falcons, when when you've had the top teams, the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, you know, you get a strong contingent of fans. You know, I was at the 49ers game earlier this year. You know, you have a really good section of 49ers fans. Atlanta's a very transplant city. I get rooting for the home team, but there are a lot of loyalties for folks around this town. But certainly that crowd has been behind the Hawks, even though the Hawks haven't delivered a lot of nights, even though the Hawks have eh, kind of been very mediocre over the last couple few years. The home crowd has pretty much delivered night in, night out for this team. But again, an emotional win. You know, John played really well. It's an emotional time. The Hawks need every victory that they can get. And we'll talk about what else happened over the weekend, but they need every victory that they can get. But certainly this is a, this is a franchise that you, you have to understand that at times in Atlanta, that there are, there are opposing forces and there are sections of fans that are always going to root for some of the other stars, for some of the other franchises. It's just the nature of the business. And I promise you that when the Warriors travel around, they are must-watch basketball, right? Back when LeBron was playing at his height, you know, when you had Miami, that's must-watch basketball. Those games are always going to be sellouts, and they're going to be raucous crowds, both for the home team and for when Golden State 
or Miami would come into town. It's just the nature of the NBA and even to a certain degree, the NFL. So I don't have a problem with what John Collins said, but certainly, look, it, it, it happens in Atlanta, but it was still a really good home crowd. All right, let's uh, talk about our friends over at Built Bar as March, or sorry, at uh, FanDuel, I should say. Um, as March Madness is here, when you go for new customers over to FanDuel.com, you can claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to the number of three-point shots that are made, everything in between. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a same-game parlay for a bigger payout on them. So head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get all of the details there, but claim your no-sweat first bet for a chance at $1,000 if your first bet doesn't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. Well, so Friday night was the good night for the Atlanta Hawks. And then yesterday afternoon, okay? So let's see. The Hawks scored 83 points. Let me let me repeat that. The Hawks scored 83 points in the first half yesterday. Check. Good. The Hawks were up by 22 in the first half. Check. All good. The Hawks at one point had a 24-point lead in the game. Check three. And then what ended up happening? One of the epic collapses all time for the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks not only didn't win, they lost by eight points in a game where they laid the ultimate egg of, of all eggs to the last place team in the Western Conference. Not like it was Golden State or Denver or Memphis. No, 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 no. I mean, DeJounte Murray in his return to San Antonio, they lost a 24-point lead, and then also they got beat by eight to the last place team in the Western Conference. And this is what we talk about all of the time with this Hawks franchise. You know, if you think that just firing Nate is the solution to all of the Hawks problems, and I've said this consistently, okay, and you're not going to like this, but this is the freaking truth, is that it was Nate's fault, Trey's fault, John's fault, DeJounte's fault, Colin's fault, Capella's fault, it's Lauren Jabara's fault, it's the guy in section 214 selling beers, it's the popcorn vendor's fault, it's the guy who's sweeping the floor. Every single person who has an entity that is associated with the Atlanta Hawks, it's all of their fault. And now you see this all come to fruition. This is not just a Nate problem. This is top to bottom. Your front office, everything top to bottom. Let me let me give you kind of a recap here of what the week was for the Atlanta Hawks. So let's start with Saturday, last Saturday night against the Boston Celtics. So you did a good job of beating the Washington Wizards 
in two home games that were played. And then you came home against the Boston Celtics. And this was the second night of a back-to-back where the Hawks are, I believe, two and seven in back-to-back games on the season. Okay. So you pretty much figured that coming in to play one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, coming into a back-to-back where you have not played well, even though you were home, that was going to be a tough win. So you, you lost 134-125. You didn't play a lot of great defense in that game. Okay, that's a consistent theme for the Atlanta Hawks. But then you come on Monday the 13th, and you're at home. You had a day off. You rested up at home. Okay, Minnesota is coming into your building. And you feel like, okay, we can get back on track here with a home victory, and we got to protect home court. Even though we lost to Boston on Saturday, that was a tough scenario, okay? You have Minnesota coming in. You lose 136-115. You got blown off your home court. And you figure, okay, you know, maybe the Hawks just needed some rest. They played three games in four days. And, okay, you know, maybe some excuse-making but maybe the Hawks just needed some rest when all was said and done. So you get blown out on your home court against Minnesota. Then you have a few days off. In fact, I think the Hawks had one full legitimate day off where they didn't practice or shoot around or anything. So you had Monday night against Minnesota. Then you didn't play again until Friday against Golden State. And you find a way to beat Golden State 127, 119. You didn't play, you didn't play all that bad defensively. John Collins had a big night exposing no Draymond Green on the front court. So you took care of your business against Golden State, which you had to win that game. And then you turn around and a couple of days later, you go down and say, okay, maybe we can start to figure some things out here. And you go down to San Antonio, play the worst team in the Western Conference and you lose after blowing a 24-point lead. You not only lose, but you lose 126-118, where they, the Hawks literally, the Hawks scored 35 points in the second half after they scored 83 points in the first half, and they scored 35 the entire second half. And this is the Dow Jones nature of what this team is and what this roster is. So we can blame all the coaches and all that kind of stuff. And I think that what's what's uh, uh, Quinn Snyder's record? Now? I think he's like five and nine or five and eight or four and eight or something like that. Like it's, it's, it's still the same problems. They're still not a very good team defensively. They still get in these lulls and stuff like that. So you lose to Boston. You get blown out by Minnesota a big win against the defending champions, and then you blow a 24-point lead. Now, how does all that happen? How, how does a good team, a, a team that honestly, and John Collins said this after the game on Friday night, he said, look, our, our team can play with anybody when they want to. Our team can play with anybody. So how do you get blown out by Minnesota? You handle your business against Golden State, and you lose a 24-point lead where you score 35 points in the second half against the worst team in the Western Conference. Consistently inconsistent. And that has been the theme for this team. 
no matter how many, no matter how well Trey plays, no matter how well DeJounte Murray plays or Collins or Capella, at the end of the day, they're a 500 team. And this is why, and I, I keep circling back to the same narrative and the same mantra over and over again. This is why Tony Wrestler isn't willing to dump a bunch of money into going into the luxury tax. Why? And I agree with him. Why? If if you're not if you're not better than a 500 team, listen. Adding adding a Kevin Herter or somebody like that isn't going to change the dynamic of what this team is. You could add a player here and a player there and things like that. It's not going to change the overall dynamic of what this team is. There's some fundamental flaw with this basketball team that shows up night in, night out, that you never know what kind of game that you're going to get. Defending, I mean, they, they, I, I really do think that they play up to their competition and they play down to their competition. Because when you lose to Minnesota, and Minnesota's not a bad team, but certainly you should beat Minnesota on your home court. You certainly shouldn't get run by 21 on your home court to Minnesota. And then you lose to the worst team in the Western Conference. They play up and down to what their competition is. They played pretty well against the Celtics. They couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop them on defense in that game last Saturday. And then you did a pretty good job against the Warriors. But it's just so maddening to watch this team. And and what did, what have we said consistently on this podcast? They are they are going to be fortunate just to hang on to the eighth seed. This idea of them being a sixth seed and all that's that's bunk. Like that, that's fault or all. Like that's not going to happen. This this team is lucky to be hanging on to the eighth seed. And they've had some help. And at times they've beaten a few teams that are right around them. But this team is 500 for a reason. They're not a great defensive team. They get wildly inconsistent with their three-point shooting. And they just have so many flaws that simply changing the coach wasn't going to solve all of the issues. Again, they didn't get that boost that when they fired Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan took over, they didn't get that immediate boost. This team is what it is. And it's going to be very interesting. And we've talked a lot about this, about what do you do moving forward? What what do you do? Do you gut this thing? Do you change up a piece here or there? You're going to build around Trey Young. I think you keep DeJounte Murray until the trade deadline. If you can't re-sign him or sign him to a new contract or whatever, and they'll roll with some of their guys, but I think that there are going to be pieces that are moved and changed, whether that's Capella or Hunter or Collins. But this group isn't figuring it out. And I don't think that Quinn Snyder with an offseason and this, that, and the other is going to solve everything for this team but it's consistently inconsistent how poor that this team plays on a night-in, night-out basis. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, the March Madness tournament taking place, right? We're in the Sweet 16. Well, Built has got you covered with the Built March Madness bracket. You go to builtmarchmadness.com and vote for your favorite bar or puff at Built March Madness. Dot com. So listen, we've got a deal for you. 
You you put your vote in at builtmarchmadness.com. Vote for your favorite bar or puff, and you will be entered in to a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built bars. 50 listeners to our, our show will get a free box of built bars. And not only that, but one lucky fan from Locked On will win a 12-month subscription to have built, have the best built bars delivered monthly straight to your doors. So head to builtmarchmadness.com, vote for your favorite bar or puff today, and you'll be entered for a chance to win a free box of built, and you'll be entered for one 12-month subscription that we're going to give to our fans over at Locked On. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Vote for your favorite bar or buff. Every day you can vote in March. Hop in and support your pick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So is Lucas Van Ness an answer for the Atlanta Falcons at number eight? He's been one of the guys that has been mocked potentially at eight. Several edge players, right? Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith, you know, if Jalen Carter fell, uh, interior guy, right? I mean, there's a lot of defensive names that are being mocked to the Atlanta Falcons, including corners, Devin Witherspoon. We've talked about all that, okay? But is Lucas Van Ness a potential answer? So Van Ness is a kid. He's a big physical specimen. 6'5", 264, defensive end out of Iowa. Here's the thing that's that's very interesting, is that Lucas Van Ness is not only just a, a two-year player, but Lucas Van Ness has never started in college. Now think about that. He's never started in college. Now, that doesn't completely knock him or anything like that, but he's never started in college. In fact, last year, he was a total rotational player, which, again, I'm looking for a lockdown starter on my defensive line, right? When it comes to edge and all that, I'm looking for a guy who's going to play 17 games starting off as. So I feel like that. If they draft Lucas Van Ness at eight, am I going to see him starting in week one? Am I going to see him on the field? Arnold Ebicady didn't start. And Lucas Van Ness is a guy who's not started in college. Now think about that. Now he's had 13 sacks over the last couple of years. And he is definitely a physical specimen. But when you look at when you look at a Van Ness, okay, he's obviously potentially grades out to have a high ceiling. But how big is his floor at number eight? And and you really will have to coach up and mold him and and form him where he's got some, you know, again, folks that have watched this tape say that it's inconsistent. You know, he flashes at times and he shows you some moments, but he's consistently not there play in, play out. And if you look, he had no sacks against Michigan or 
Ohio State last year. Half of his sacks last year came against Rutgers, Nevada, and um, South Dakota State. That's three of his six sacks from last year. But the tape says that, and again, maybe this is from a lack of starting and playing more, but the tape says is that he flashes but doesn't consistently go things. You know, he's consistently not there play after play after play. And, you know, the scouting report is as a run defender, he can be thrown off balance and can be caught with his eyes in the backfield where he misses certain blocks and things like that. So is Lucas Van Ness at the end of the day a a guy that I want at number eight? I like his ceiling, but I just think that we need a player who can come in and make an impact from day one and can start day one and be productive on day one. Like we cannot start, we can't get into this monkeying around with prospects and ceilings and all this kind of stuff. I got to have a guy that produces day one. Because right now, where am I finding 38 sacks? Now, we'll break this all down after the draft and all this kind of stuff. But where am I finding 38, 40 sacks? You know, Ellis is a guy, Kate and Ellis, the guy that they picked up in free agency from the from the Saints. Okay, is, is he the seven-sack guy that he was in New Orleans last year? Or is he the guy that for three years before that had one sack? You know, which guy is he? He's the Caleb McGarry of defensive linemen, right? He's had one really good season amongst four mediocre, against three bad seasons. So I I, I like Lucas Van Ness as, as a player, but I just don't think that the Falcons can monkey around and get a guy who's just a project and who probably fits on a team where he doesn't have to be the starter, where he can come in and play a rotational role. Do I think Lucas Van Ness is a first-round talent? Yes. Would I be disgusted or just frustrated beyond all belief if Lucas Van Ness is the pick for the Atlanta Falcons at eight? No, but I think that there are guys that are more polished, more accomplished, and can come in and start day one, like a Miles Murphy or a Tyree Wilson. There are guys that I think that could be more polished to come in and start day one for this team. And that's what I'm looking for. I need a guy who can come in and be productive day one, not work his way into a rotation, not be a guy who maybe could start at the end of the year. Even Eba Katie only made the one start. And that was frustrating because I've talked about that all last year. I need him to start more. I need Eba Katie to have started more. Well, I need a guy at eight that comes in and can be a game wrecker on the defensive line. And especially when it's most likely that four quarterbacks will be of the first seven picks before the Falcons get to eight, four quarterbacks will probably be taken. That only leaves three guys. And it's going to be Will Anderson is going to be one of the guys that's going to be taken. He's not going to fall to eight. So if that's four quarterbacks and Will Anderson, then you know that the Falcons should have their pick of a lot of really good defensive linemen, whether that's Murphy, Tyrese Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carr, whatever. More than just the name on the back of the jersey, there's going to be a plethora of guys to pick from at the eighth spot. That's why I don't think the Falcons have to trade up, down, sideways, whatever like that. Would Lucas Van Ness be my first choice at number eight? No. Is he kind of a project that could work into a rotation? Yes. 
but I don't think that that's what the Falcons need right now. I don't think that's what the Falcons need in this draft. They've got to get a guy that's ready to be a starter from day one and be productive from day one. I would thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck where your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available. Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can always get hit and hard with John Chuckery uh, as soon as episodes are available. We uh, also ask you to check out Roku and Amazon Fire. That's two more platforms to follow all of our content on. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.